0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.
1: Good morning. I'm not one of those to joke about turning 29 for the 30th time, as I will be this year, but it is episode number 29 of GoToGrandma. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and I'm the proud grandma of two grandsons, Owen and Cam, aged two years and nine months. We're a magazine-style radio show and podcast, and every week we talk about everything grandparents want and need to know about. Facts and fun are our pillars, but you don't have to be a grandparent to get a lot out of our show. Have you thought about getting an electric car, but have what industry experts call range anxiety? The worry that your battery will run out and you won't be able to charge your car as easily as stopping at a gas station. I bought my all-electric BMW i3 six years ago, and I love it. It was one of the only ones on the market at the time, but now we have many options from luxury to standard and compact to SUV. What do you need to know about electric cars and which one might suit your grand tour grandparent style? Auto journalist Patrina Gentile joins me to talk about it. The real estate market is charged up right now, and we have Josie Vogels of Coldwell Banker back on the show to talk about the trend of multi-generational residences. She'll give us the lowdown on the high-priced market and share some advice on what to look for and what to avoid if you're thinking of combining your generations under the same roof. Does anyone remember South Fork? Hopefully your extended family situation will be calmer than that. Our Take Five with RBC series rolls on with a poll, the RBC Financial Independence in Retirement poll, to be exact. We'll go through the numbers and see where new and future retirees sit when it comes to their financial picture. I'm so glad you're here. You have time to call some friends and get them to listen at the same time. I'll wait. Actually, no, I won't. We're going to get started, so get your morning beverage and get ready to laugh and learn. You can tell those lazy friends of yours to listen in on the podcast when it drops on Tuesday. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma on Zoomer Radio. Josie Vogels has been a realtor for almost a decade in both the Bancroft and Niagara regions of Ontario. The youngest of eight children, Josie owes her work ethic to her tough Dutch immigrant parents, her commitment to knowing the market, to her decades as a journalist, and her empathy and understanding of her clients' needs and wants, to her years as a nationally syndicated relationship advice columnist and author. She is currently with Coldwell Banker Momentum Realty in Niagara Falls. Good morning, Josie Vogels. Thanks for coming back on this show today. The real estate market is always changing, as we know, as we could probably have you back every week. But today I wanted to talk about multi-generational living and why is it becoming such a popular option in the current housing market?
2: It's funny, Kathy, because um, I was thinking about this because I've seen it happening on the front lines. And then I was looking into it and I thought, it's actually, oddly enough, it's not a new concept. (laughs) <laughs> and we think that we're reinventing the wheel. But really, single-family dwelling is has a shorter period. It, it wasn't until kind of the end of the 19th century that we kind of did, started to see... Um, that's when we developed um, homes for the elderly, that type of thing. And before that, people just lived multi-generationally. The idea of having your own home as a family was kind of unheard of. And then when, um, you know, it sort of reached its peak right after the war, and then we started seeing... Single-family dwellings, and that really increased by, um, there was about a quarter, I only had U.S. US deaths by about um, 19, in the 1940s, at its peak, um, right after the war, we had about 25% of U.S. households that were living multi-generationally. By 1980, mm-hmm. that was about 12%. So it's kind of interesting to see that we have kind of come full circle because now we're definitely seeing that and there's a number of reasons part of it being because of the the market and affordability but there's also a lot of just cultural reasons that people are deciding that maybe it's there are other ways to live right
1: Yeah, exactly. And what's funny is as you're talking, you're absolutely right in the way that it's changed. But I keep thinking, houses were smaller back then and more people living in. them. Now we've got these huge homes with fewer people living in them, right? Just single families living in them. But I assume people today looking for a multi-generational home are looking for something of some size. Am I right in that? For sure. So you have that combination. People got used to I mean, back in the day, you know, no one wants to cram three
2: families into uh, a two-room house, obviously. Right. As we did back in the Thing. So now we've got this idea where we've got these massive homes that everyone has, like now, um, are rambling around in. Um, but now we're going, okay, well, my kids can't afford to buy anything. As boomers, we don't necessarily want to downsize. We like our space. Um, maybe there's a different model here. Maybe we can create living spaces or find living spaces where we can have everything. We can, we can create multi-generational households, but we can all have our own space so we can help each other financially. But we can also have our privacy and create some boundaries and create living spaces so that we can keep our lives a little bit
1: separate, right? Yeah, and I think that's, you've hit on it too, how separate do you want your lives? I guess when you're looking for something, are you looking for somewhere that has like a separate kitchen, a separate entrance, you know, assigned bathrooms, maybe even a level of a house or a a side split, pardon me, you know, a semi or something like that. Um, So I guess there's a few options. I guess you could also even look at a house that had like a coach home or something in it if you're looking that big.
2: Absolutely. And I think that it's interesting now, as we're sort of facing this housing crisis and, and supply is the problem, we are starting to see some creative ideas when it comes to development. So the idea of developing maybe even a lane house or a garage mm-hmm. into a separate living space um, so that there is actual physical uh, separation. Building homes where there is, um, I remember still living, you know, in in Montreal, where homes were built as separate units so there, there's, there's um, sound barriers between there's proper insulation things like that so as we you know as we start to find creative solutions for how we can all move forward and afford housing and how our children going to afford housing and how is, are we as we get older going to be taken care of and stay in our homes these are the types of creative solutions and sort of going back to basics that we have to start thinking about.
1: Yeah, and you've touched on one of the pros, of course, of multi-generational living is that ability for us to care maybe for someone who's older in our family, but also maybe for grandparents like myself to help uh, with child care and that sort of thing on the younger end of things. So that's, you know, obviously one of the pros is also affordability. What are some of the cons that you see with the uh, multi-generational living you must be experiencing as people buy these homes?
2: 100%. I mean, I think the obvious one is privacy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you want to make sure that there are boundaries if you are sharing costs if you are going in together investment wise these are right. all things that need to be you need to sit down and hammer out don't go into this you know blindly don't go into it naively you really need to sit down ideally with a, a third party uh, legal uh, whether it's your lawyer you know we as agents can even help when it comes to buying to think about these things ahead of time to sit down create ba- boundaries Decide really clearly how the um, finances are going to look. Who's going to pay for what? How are you going to deal with conflicts? As with anything, communication is going to be the key upfront.
1: Yeah, I think that's really great advice. I know you have lots of advice on this as well. And that's really, it's not just let's throw our money in together and get us a great big old mansion like on Dallas or something, right? It's <laughs> its, it's going to take a little more thinking through. And you're right, involving a lawyer at the beginning to make sure everyone is clear. Even things, not, you're right, not just the investment in the house, but on, you know, going forward, groceries, you know, heating bills, like, you know, improvements to the house. So, you know, we really need to start to thinking that through. How far in advance are you seeing people sort of do this planning or what would you recommend, I guess? Yes.
2: Well, really, I think that, you know, we see so much in the media right now. First time homebuyers are struggling. Um, uh, Boomers are wanting to stay. I I, I have a a statistic. I don't like throwing numbers at you because I know they don't do well on the radio. But there was something um, about boomers wanting to stay in their homes and how that number has risen. Um, They're not wanting to go into um, into uh, smaller homes. So if if, if you're thinking about making a change now, what are your options? And and let's sit down and think about it and think it through all the way now, whether it's with an agent, whether it's with a lawyer. And it's not just the finances, who's going to pay for what, what is the arrangement going to look like. It's also things like a very simple thing. Um, You know, is it going to be a, like, drop-in situation? Or is it going to be you have to text me before you um, come over? Or you have to... We have to plan in advance. We have to have a schedule. We're going to have a family night one night a week. You're going to make dinner on Tuesdays. These very detailed things, you may think, oh, that's, you know, silly. But if it's not written down and it's not hammered out ahead of time, I, I guarantee you're going to run into problems, um, and that's where your, your conflict is going to lie. So if that stuff's up front and everyone knows their boundaries, everyone knows their roles, you're going to run into many, m- much fewer problems.
1: Yeah, I agree. How's this? If you can't survive on a multi-generational vacation, my advice is maybe, you know, for a week somewhere hot where it's nice and you don't have responsibilities, maybe looking at multi-generational living isn't going to work for you. Um, But I I really appreciate this advice, Josie. And where can we go to find you online to get uh, more advice and information?
2: thing is to just go to my website, justaskjosie.com. Uh, Josie is J-O-S-E-Y. I'm happy to help with any questions. I think that's fantastic advice, the first thing you should do, and everyone needs it right now. Go on a multi-generalization yes. vacation and see how you fare. <laughs> then
1: we'll Exactly. Thanks again for joining us, Josie, and we can also find you on Instagram, I know, um, by the same handle. So thanks again for joining us, and uh, take care.
2: You too, Kathy. Thanks again.
1: Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Petrina Gentili is an award-winning automotive journalist, one of the few women who cover cars in Canada. She has been a contributing writer for the Globe and Mail's Drive section since 2004, reviewing vehicles and traveling around the world, test driving everything from high-performance Lamborghinis to all-electric Tesla vehicles. She also appears regularly on television and radio, covering the automotive beat for CTV News Channel, CP24, CBC, and BNN Bloomberg TV. She produced 18 seasons of her national TV show, Car Business, with Jeremy Caddo and Michael Vaughn, which was broadcast weekly on CTV and BNN. She has written several non- fiction books for kids, including Big Trucks, Big Wheels, Dirt Movers, and the Ballet School. Good morning, Petrina Gentili. Thanks for joining me. You know I'm an electric car lover, but I also know that a lot of people aren't sure about them. So that's what we're going to talk about today.
3: Exactly. Yes. I mean, everybody's on the fence about them. And there's certainly um, some advantages to them, but there are concerns because of the price premium that you mm-hmm. pay for electric vehicles and the range and the lack of infrastructure. So there are some challenges there too.
1: Absolutely. And I and I mentioned at the intro of the show that I have a BMW I three. I've had it for about six years. So I almost feel like it was a prototype if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> my battery range is not great. It's about 145 kilometers oh. and, and that and that drops substantially uh, mm-hmm. when it's cold out. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do have the range extender, which I can put, you know, four liters of gas in and get some extra there. But there's a lot of things that I learned about it just by owning one. What are some of the basics you think people need to know about electric cars? You gasped when I said one forty-five kilometers. What is what is the average now that you might expect to see on some of these cars? You
3: know, it, it's going up, but it still needs to be a little bit higher, in my opinion. Um, it, it, you usually are in that three hundred kilometer right. range to four hundred kilometer range now, but like I say, it's getting better. Um, uh, but you do have to be concerned. You know, when you are driving an electric vehicle, you have to be um, aware that things like like you said. The cold weather weather will deplete the battery, having the heated seats on and the heating steering wheel on and the windshield wiper blades on. All that's going to deplete the battery um, and, and going excessive speeds as well or going highway speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to have a little bit of extra range. Um, I think, you know, once we get closer to maybe that 500 kilometer uh, right. mark, I think that will ease, ease some of that range anxiety. But for short trips, you know. Two, three hundred kilometers is enough, as you can attest to.
1: Absolutely. I've got uh, about a 100,000 kilometers on my little car. So that's from city driving. When I think about the gas that I have saved, um, it's well worth it. Sometimes I just rent a car if I have a longer trip. Um, Which of the e-cars on the market right now are you particularly fond of?
3: There's a couple of new ones that are just coming out. Um, They're expected for this year. I mean, they've certainly been delayed because of the semiconductor chip Mm -hmm. shortage and uh, the pandemic. But... You know, one that uh, I really am interested in seeing is a Nissan Aria. Okay. So this is, and Nissan was basically the first company that came out with an electric vehicle. That was a lease back in 2010. Um, and since then, they've sold over half a million of these vehicles. But we haven't really heard any new vehicles from them. So right. finally, we have the Aria, and uh, it's a beautiful-looking vehicle. It's an SUV, um, and it's supposed to have a range, you know, in like just over 400 kilometers. Uh, We don't know the price on that yet, but that's expected um, to come out in a couple of months, like by the the fall. Yeah, and
1: Uh, the electric SUVs are pretty intriguing, especially if, like me, you might be hauling grandkids around or kids or just mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And I think in the past, we're sort of used to thinking of electric cars as being a little more compact, right?
3: Exactly. So you're getting more larger vehicles. Mercedes-Benz has a new one that's coming out. Um, It's the EQB, and I drove this in Germany a couple of months ago. And this is a really nice vehicle. has three rows of seats in it. Wow. Um, all wheel drive. That's a nice feature to have as well, uh, especially in the winter time. Mm-hmm. We we don't know the price on that yet, but that's um, coming shortly too.
1: More on the luxury end of things, obviously. If it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a Benz. It's you a Benz, exactly.
3: <laughs> you pay for that three pointed star.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know what one thing that people maybe don't realize too is the charging. That like I do it at home in my garage, which is awesome. I don't have to do a gas station, but it can take a little while too, even with the charge in my garage. Can take two to three hours to charge the car, but I think there's some superchargers, right, for Teslas and things. Where are we on the charging front?
3: Charging still, we're we're making some strides, but there still needs to be a lot more in terms of um, adding to the infrastructure. Right. Um, You know, the government, federal government, is I think committing something like 880 million dollars in the next couple of years to add like 65 thousand charging stations across canada which is, are really needed um mm-hmm. I've, i found myself kind of frustrated at times driving some electric vehicles where i you know find um a charging station it may not be a fast charger but it's a level two charger and they're not working right or they're occupied uh, so you have to keep that in mind because when you're planning uh, especially a longer route you have to really know okay I need to know that I'm going to be able to stop here. And I'm going to have to spend a little bit of time there as well to to wait for it to charge, too.
1: Yep, you're exactly right. When I take my car up to the cottage, I can make it there. But I have to plan on charging it overnight because I only have a regular voltage plug there. So that takes, Mm -hmm. you know, a long time. So you're right. There's a lot more planning involved with them. But I think right now, too, we're still getting some great subsidies and things like that. So definitely Mm -hmm. electric cars are worth looking into.
3: Absolutely, and especially when you look at the price of gas now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're at, uh, nationally about a buck fifty five. Right. And I know Dan McTigg has said, expect it to go to up to two dollars a liter in most parts of the country in a couple of weeks because of the UK, Ukraine-Russia uh, crisis. Right. So that really makes an electric vehicle far more attractive.
1: <laughs> it for sure. sure does. So, okay, you have a pretty cool job, Katrina. I know that. Um, but you get, so prior to COVID, you traveled all over the world uh, driving new vehicles. What was your favorite? We can march out of the e-car market now, just in general, what was your favorite?
3: I would have to say my favorite was um, a trip right before the pandemic struck, and it was in Italy, um, driving every Lamborghini in the lineup in the Italian Alps. Um, There were only, I think, something like 14 journalists from around the world, and I was the only Canadian and the only woman. Yes, and it was it was a blast, especially driving. You know, in you don't think of Lamborghinis driving in the snow in the mountains, oh, uh, wow. in the mountains, and oh, it was an incredible, incredible
1: experience. Well, amazing <laughs> speaks about- to your credentials, being you know the only Canadian there. And you're right; it's a very male-dominated world. I did auto coverage for a little while, as you know, too. And yeah, it, yeah. so uh, what is that? So that I mean, that sounds like a dream, a dream trip for sure. But what's the best vehicle launch that you've ever attended?
3: Um I would have to say it it's the Tesla Cybertruck launch. Oh. Uh yeah and I I think there I was the only journalist in North America in that room. Um Elon Musk isn't too fond of media. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and when you tried it, I was there, I think, for CBC and CTV and, and uh, they would not let me in with credentials. And I happened to run into a friend of mine who lives in L.A. and I went in as his guest. No way. And it worked out. <laughs> Did you see him throw the brick? Yes. 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 <laughs> Amazing. And the, and <laughs> Yeah, and and my friend is good friends with a designer, so we met afterwards, and we were talking about that as well. Um, He said it wasn't uh, a ploy, a stunt of any sort. It just kind of happened that way, but you never know. Uh, You never know. But it was incredible to see that. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. It was almost like a concert as opposed to
1: um, a a car launch. Crazy. It it was just unbelievable. So what are your dream wheels right now, Petrina? Oh, my gosh, I have so many of them. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh, Lamborghini yeah. you know the Aventador tops my list um, uh, gosh um, a Pagani Pagani also is an exclusive Italian designer uh, that makes limited vehicles uh, and, and Teslas you know I do like the, the Teslas uh, electric uh, I'm kind of interested in the Cybertruck but on the fence about that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and I know like, a lot of our listeners too I mean they're going to go through you know do we need to have two cars anymore do we want to mm-hmm. get down to one car so a lot of movement in that market um, in terms of a uh, new thing that we're looking for. If we want to find out about more new cars, you are the Globe and Mail Drive Section Writer. And you also can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Patrina Gentiling. That's P-E-T-R-I-N-A. G-E-N-T-I-L-E. And that's Thank you so much for joining me today, Petrina. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Terrific. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Stuart Gray is Director, RBC Financial Planning Center of Expertise. Stuart and his team of 17 financial planning professionals support over 2,200 accredited financial planners for RBC from Halifax to Vancouver. Each year, Stuart and his team delve into findings from RBC's Financial Independence in Retirement poll to see how financial priorities and concerns are shifting across the country. Stuart joins me today to talk about what this year's poll revealed. Good morning, Stuart. Thanks for joining us again today.
0: Happy to be here, Kathy.
1: So, Stuart, what did this year's Financial Independence and Retirement Poll survey tell us?
0: Well, I'll start with the big challenge that Canadians called out this year, and that's how do we deal with the impacts of rising inflation? Right. Uh, And inflation's really moved into the top three concerns for Canadians, um, and and how Canadians think about retirement for the first time in more than a decade, Uh, and, and that's not surprising as, as inflation is currently around a 30-year high as well. Yeah, um, I just
1: heard that today, I think, on <laughs> the radio driving into the show, I heard a 30-year high. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild when we think about it. So we can't really underestimate the impact that that rising inflation is having on, our, our Canadian, on Canadians and certainly those that are, who are already retired or are about to retire. Because uh, it's continuing to drive up the cost of fixed expenses. Uh, and what we're seeing in the survey this year is that's a key barrier to, to the ability to save. But it's also concerning around will my savings be enough right. to, sustain, to sustain the lifestyle I'm, look, I, I'm accustomed to.
1: Absolutely. And then, as you say, the top three financial concerns they called out are having enough savings, maintaining their standard of living, and the impact of inflation, which you just spoke about. So what advice do you have for parents and grandparents listening right now about how to manage our finances to take care of these concerns?
0: Yeah, there's really a, you know, two or three key things in there, Kathy. One is make sure you understand your cash flow. Right. Um, so having a really good understanding of what's coming in and going out every month Uh, Tools, digital tools that are available to you now, like RBC's Nomi, available through our online banking app, can help you look at that budget side of it. The second one is, you know, maximizing the cash flow that's coming in
1: Mm. uh,
0: and making sure that as you look at your taxes every year, that you're taking advantage of of the tax credits and the tax deductions that are available to you. You know, having a plan. And we saw for the first time this year that almost 40 or almost 50% of Canadians have a financial plan. Really helps you to take a current uh, shock, like an increasing inflation or possibly returns on your investments, and look at that in the longer term picture. You know, how does that uh, inflation impact that's happening today impacts me and, and my plan in the long run? And then the third is really, you know, taking a look at the investments that are within your holdings, to make sure that you've got some investments that are, are there to protect and are more secure, but also have some that are, are focused a little more on the longer term. And we've certainly seen that from Canadians in, in our poll this year as well, where we see more Canadians uh, are taking advantage of mm-hmm. RSPs. Uh, that's, uh, I think we're over 50% this year in our poll. That's, that's turning around a seven-year downward trend. So I think that speaks to people thinking a little more long-term and mm-hmm. taking advantage of the tax deferral that RSPs present to us. The other thing we're seeing is people are investing more in mutual funds, stocks, and exchange-traded funds, which gives a bit of that inflation protection. So I I think a couple of those things tied together uh, help with that.
1: And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking that some of our listeners may think, well, I don't know anything about that. So they really should be talking to their financial advisor if what you're saying is sort of Greek to them, right? If they're thinking, well, I'm not sure how to look at that or what that would mean. Um, Absolutely. And I know that you talk about the importance of having some financial peace of mind, particularly when Canadians are looking towards their future, as you just discussed. But as we approach the start of the year three of the pandemic, year three, with all the uncertainty that continues to bring into our lives, is it possible to find that peace of mind, do you think?
0: I think it is, Kathy, and it mm-hmm. really goes back to my comment earlier about having a financial plan. Right. Uh, and and you can there are a number of tools that allow you to do that yourself uh, and then engage an advisor to support you when you need to. And, and uh, my advisor at RBC is a great example of that. You know, I, I said earlier that, that almost 48% of Canadians or almost 50% of Canadians have a financial plan. Uh, of those that had a financial plan, eighty-six percent of them are an overwhelming number. Felt more comfortable sure. about their financial situation because of that. In the fifty-five plus, which is our you know who we're talking to today, mm-hmm. that number was actually fifty-three uh, percent hmm. nationally. So we're seeing that, and we know that you know you can work on it yourself, but working with an advisor really helps you to think through those pieces as well. Um, and, and that ob- objective voice of an advisor is really invaluable Absolutely. in helping you think about what's important to you, uh, where are you today, and, and what changes or options may you have to get there.
1: Yeah, and it's just sort of that roadmap for your future, yeah. right, which makes you feel, you know, you know where you are, and, and you know where you're going. And you're exactly. right, we can do that with an advisor. We can also go to, uh, you know, the RBC Financial Planning website, which is, you know, rbcfinancialplanning.com to get some good tips and advice there. So I thank you for your time today, Stuart, as part of our Take 5 with RBC series, more fantastic financial advice. Thanks again. Thanks, Kathy. Take care. One of the nice things about my electric car, besides the substantial gas savings, is the ability to keep the car running in cold weather without putting noxious fumes out into the world. Another great thing right now is never having to stand outside in the cold, pumping gas into it, but letting it charge from inside my own garage. But since I never visit a gas station, let me tell you from personal experience that people look at you weird when you walk up to a gas pump to buy a car wash. Good things are also driving your way next week as we roll into episode number 30. Angela Saklamakis grew up listening to her grandma utter yaya-isms under her breath. Yaya is the Greek term for grandma. Recently retired but describes herself as rewoke. Angela decided to share the Greek sayings, proverbs, advice, superstitions, and more from her heritage, and we will discuss her book, Yaya Approved. If you're like me, you've forgotten to pick up your prescription medication at least once. We're going to talk to Jason Kennedy, a pharmacist working with TELUS Health, to talk about a recent survey on this concerning trend, as well as look at TELUS Health's new virtual pharmacy. Our Take 5 with RBC series takes a look at elder care, whether we need it ourselves right now or for a family member. Valuable information you'll want to hear. Thanks for dropping in today. I hope you'll come back again or go back and listen to some of our earlier shows available 24-7 on your podcast network. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey.
0: Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com.